Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Fins Up podcast. I am your host, Mortz, and I'm not joined by anyone tonight. Um, I reached out to Dan today and he has told me that he has blown a pissed off valve with the Cronulla Sharks. Um, I reached out to a couple other people, but it was on a timely basis, so... I decided that I would go solo tonight, um, much like Dan did uh, earlier on in the season. I don't think uh, mine will be quite as depressing as Dan, although he was very entertaining that night. Um, But this comes after the Cronulla Sharks lost to the Canberra Raiders 34 points to 18 in a very disappointing game. Um, in a game that was there for the taking for us to win. Um, obviously, a slow start didn't really hurt us in the first half, um, but the slow start uh, in the second half uh, killed us. Um, it was a game where I went in with really high hopes. Um, I thought we were going to win this game. Uh, I thought the the Broncos game was just going to be a little blip on our radar and the players would be fired up for the run that we have and the chance to take ourselves into the top eight pretty convincingly. Uh, the disappointing part about this game is that nearly every result went our way. Yes, the Tigers beat the Broncos, but the Tigers have a really, really hard draw coming up. So a lot of results went our way, and we just weren't able to capitalise on that. Which hurts, it, it stings, and the Raiders now join us on um, 16 competition points, and they closed in and pegged back to four and against difference that was between us and them. Uh, even a two-point win would have been great because you know it would have put us two points ahead of them and our four and against would have been far superior, but it wasn't to be. There was a lot um, that went wrong in this game for Cronulla, and I know the obvious is to talk about the missed tackles, but that wasn't even the most alarming thing for mine. The most alarming thing, uh, and it goes back to the, the Broncos game as well, but is our inability to wrap the ball up. Uh, 22 offloads to three. I think it was 14-0 at halftime in terms of the offloads. And it just set the tone. We let some really average players uh, turn into immortals. Uh, Corey Harawira Naira hasn't done anything in the NRL for the last four years, and you know he came out looking like prime Sonny Bill Williams against us, was easily the man of the match, um, deserved a try. I thought their young fullback as well was excellent, lots of lots of pace, lots of support play about him, scored a nice try with a bung arm, but um, yeah, unfortunate for him, he's out for the season. And the other thing that was alarming was our seventy three percent completion rate. That's not good enough to win a game in in against anyone in the NRL. 73% completion rate would see you probably struggle against some of the better Super League teams as well. But the the obvious and, and alarming one is 61 missed tackles. You can't miss 61 missed tackles. Well, you can't have 61 missed tackles in in one game of in one game of rugby league. And if you were to say that you had 61 missed tackles over two games of rugby league, you'd be pretty disappointed you know the Raiders only missed 22 and I think a lot of them were towards the end of the first half when we started to get some momentum but Jesus we, we made it really really hard for ourselves. I think going in at halftime we, we had over 30 missed tackles and you could just tell how 
knackered the boys were because we were just doing so much more work. The Raiders, uh, in the end, had 45 more runs than we did and made nearly 600 more metres than us. And, you know, I judging off these stats here, it says that the scoreline flattered us, but I just, I, I don't know, I, I'm... I'm Lost for words when it when it comes to this game because, you know everything about it. The preparation was was said to be perfect. the The timing of of the game, you know, it got moved from three o'clock to five thirty. We weren't, you know, a short turnaround with a, a quick trip to Brisbane or you know wherever we're based out of. But you know, we had time to prepare. We had time to get up there. We had time to get comfortable. We got an extra two hours of, of game preparation. Yes, we did play on a, a surface that had been pretty chopped up because there was an Origin game there and a Friday night game as well, but it's not really an excuse to, to dish up what we dished up. I think, you know, making... no, We're not having much football. You know, the Raiders had 10 more sets than us, and to make 10 errors when you have limited football is just awful. Um, the start of the game, the Raiders set the tone. They, you know, they they ran hard. They tackled hard. They just wanted it more. They scored the first try of the match, and it was a really dubious eight point try. I haven't seen anyone come out um, from the NRL and say it wasn't or or it definitely was an eight point try. I think it was very embarrassing. You know, if they, if you're going to get a clip on the face uh, and, and give it an eight point try, then you're going to see a lot of eight point tries for the rest of the year. Um, I think we were pretty lucky after the eight-point try that the Raiders got themselves into some good attacking position, and we gave away a penalty, and and they elected to take the two because I feel I you know I felt that we were there for the 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 taking, and if they had scored that try fourteen nil, we probably would have got flogged by a lot more. Uh, but you know, full credit to Cronulla, we uh we stuck in there, and and you know Jesse Ramian scores a nice try, and he was hit high on the way through, but we didn't get an eight-point try. But you know that's not here nor there. Sione Katoa capitalised off a nice try, some nice work by Jesse Ramian. And, you know, I thought we were going to go in at halftime with a 12-10 lead. They put a bomb up. Ronaldo Molotalo runs in, contests it, knocks on, and somehow gives away a penalty. Um, they said that, that Jared Croker and Jordan Rapana didn't have ample opportunity to contest for the ball, but Ronaldo was the first one on the scene. He, he jumped and... By the time we realised it was a penalty against us, it was too late to challenge. I think if we challenge that, we definitely get that right. That was a, a dreadful call there. But 12 all at half time. The message from Josh Anne should have been pretty clear. Wrap the ball up, tackle hard, run hard. You know, don't start slow and, and we can get this game. And that, that game there at half time, going into half time, we had all the momentum. You know, we finished the half really, really strong. And we come out, started slow, conceded a try, peg it back. We're up 18-16. Uh, and then, you know, the wheels just fall off. We, we could have capitalised on it. But the Raiders just got themselves out of trouble anytime they wanted to. We'd, we'd put a nice kick down. We'd chase hard, make some good first contact, and then tackle three, tackle four. They would offload the ball, make those extra metres, uh, I thought Josh Hodgson going in at lock forward really hurt us. And his ball playing and craftiness just, you know, around around the middle of the ruck, he, you know, he made us look really silly. Um, 
you know, Jack White and getting injured in the first half and then and then coming off at 18-16, I thought, you know, we've got a real shot here. And at the time that Jack White came off, um, Josh Papali'i also came off the field and I just thought that we were going to wrestle the game away from them, grind out in typical Cronulla fashion, but it wasn't to be. An offload, a quick play of the ball, a flat ball. They go in and score 20, 20 you know, beside the post. It's 22-18. And from there, we just, you know, we didn't want the ball. We didn't look after the ball. We didn't respect the ball. We didn't respect our defence. Um, it was it was appalling. I, you know, you have a look at our forwards, and the best impact from our forwards came off the bench. Uh, Jack Williams led the way in metres, 141 metres. Um, his defence was pretty good. But, you know, when you're getting a kick like that from Jack Williams and he made double the metres that Aaron Woods made and, and Aaron Woods is probably on double the money and plays double the minutes. So, you know, it was a really disappointing performance. I, th- I think this is the first time I've, I've I've walked out of a game and just thought, man, I don't know why Aidan Tolman was out there. He's been pretty consistent this year and, you know, he's allowed to have an off game, but it was a pretty poor game from Tolman's standards. He gave away some penalties he missed four tackles, which is very, you know, un-Aiden Tolman. Fair enough, he, he made 48, but, you know, we've seen games with Aiden Tolman where he's had 160 metres and, and 48 tackles and only one miss. And he's had some games this year where he's had high 40s and, and hasn't missed any tackles as well. So it was really, really an uncharacteristic game from everyone, I think. Um, probably the only person who, who stayed in character was Toby Rudolph, who, you know, once again, ran really hard, but just can't tackle. Um, he only missed four tackles this week, but you know he's still leading the competition in missed tackles by a country mile. I think that you know the the one thing that that can easily be pointed to, but Toby's playing twenty minutes too many. You can tell he gets gassed, and for some reason we keep him out there. And we're not we're not a team like the Roosters or the Storm or the Panthers that are very disciplined and. You know, if they've got to keep people out there for big minutes, they they can hide them because, you know, they'll they'll give their big aggressive guys the opportunity to run the ball, and then they'll back themselves in their defense. But the problem from us for us is that to start off the game, Toby's probably our our most aggressive runner, so he's got to be the one taking the aggressive runs. And then when it comes to defense, we're either giving away a penalty, giving away a six again. Or letting an offload happen. So there was no way we could hide the guys who were getting fatigued. Yeah, it was just, you know, the more that you say about this game, you know, the more disappointing it gets. And I think th- this game here was a game where I, I kind of let myself get invested in it. I said after John Morris got sacked and we brought in Craig Fitzgibbon that this year would just be a write-off and it didn't really matter, but... Obviously, you want to play finals football. Finishing eighth is better than finishing ninth. Getting an extra week, getting, you know, showing, you know, fans are getting a little bit uh, up in the air at the moment about recruitment or lack thereof. But, you know, being in the top eight, we said it, Dan and I said it at the beginning of the year and was why we thought Benji Marshall would have been a good one-year rental player for us. But, you know, getting in the finals, being eighth, and then having a crack at these players that we want to, you know, we, we're seeing every week we want to sign, you know, it's an easier proposition to a, a, a good player to say, hey, we, you know, we're in the finals just as much as you are. 
you know, if you, if you start dropping to ninth and tenth, you know, you can still have that conversation and say, look, for the last six years we've played finals football and we've got a new coach coming in, new structures, clubs turning around, we're getting a new stadium, we're getting a new leagues club, we've got this multi-million dollar development that's going to, you know, ensure that we're at Cronulla for a very, very long time. But you've got to add an extra hundred thousand or two hundred thousand dollars to these good players when you're outside of the finals, and you just have to have a look at the West Tigers. You know, as much as I love shitting on them, they they struggle to get these good players because they're not playing finals football. They're not stable. You know, we we've got the opportunity now with a pretty soft draw to to capitalize and beat some teams and and you know get ourselves into the finals and. You know, these conversations are easier with the players. But what a game like this did was it allowed me to, you know, it allowed us as fans to be vulnerable and think, well, you know, if you win this game, the Dragons lose their games where all their players are suspended. You know, we can jump into seventh. The Roosters have got an injury crisis. You know, Manly's form's up and down. Is sixth there for the taking? Probably not. But seventh would be good. Seventh would be an improvement. Um... I picked us for seventh this year, seventh or eighth, but, you know, well, it was definitely seventh, but I'd love us to, you know, even finish eighth, but, you know, we're making it harder on ourselves. We've, we've probably thrown away six points this year that would put us in that, that race for a sixth spot. But what it did as well is it allowed us to see some things in the in the team where you have a look and you think in the next two years, you know, seasons twenty twenty two. And 2023, we've got a lot to fix. And I've highlighted a few things here at the moment. Um, I'm going to start with our wingers. I think, you know, we've got two okay wingers. They finish well. They're okay. You know, Ronaldo should have played Origin this year. It was a, it was a shame that he didn't. You know, Katoa scored 19 tries or something last year, 16 tries in, in 19 games. But they're they're just not they're just not enough. And I think going forward, we can't have Ronaldo and Katoa. We need to have Ronaldo or Katoa. So I think we've got to pick the winger that we want moving forward. And you know, I had a look at both their contracts, and yes, they've both resigned recently. But Ronaldo Molotalo actually extended, and he's with us for another four seasons. And he's probably the winger that has got the most upside and and has got the biggest ceiling. He's taller. He's more athletic. He can jump. Uh, defensively, he's getting better, um, and I think he's the winger that we need to go with. But you know, there's, there's some wingers that have been off contract that we just haven't even had a look at or had a chat to. And you know, Daniel Tupo was there for the taking. Fifteen weeks, no one mentioned anything about him. No one spoke to him, and the Roosters just offered him a, a three year contract, and he took it. And, you know, that would have been an instant upgrade on our, uh, upgrade for us and. And, you know, perhaps we could have put Molotalo in the centres. Um, speaking of centres, you know, Jesse Ramian hasn't lit the world on fire since he returned from Newcastle. Um, 2018, Jesse Ramian seems a distant memory, distant memory now. He's off contract next year and, and Joey Manu's off contract next year as well. And, and Joseph Manu is a player, you talk, you know, you talk to people who know a lot in the league circles and... Joseph Manu is a player who is at the hip of Craig Fitzgibbon at, at training and, you know, he learns a lot off of him. Um, Joseph Manu is not really a player that I I rate or I would want to throw a lot of money at, but 
you know, obviously he's rated very highly in the game. Um, I, I don't think he scores enough tries at centre, and I don't think his ball playing is good enough to be a, a full-time fullback or a full-time 5'8", but, you know, it's a, it's the same thing again with, you know, when you're talking about Josh Dugan and, and even Josh Adokar, they want fullback money, but they don't necessarily want to play fullback. Um, and, you know, Ramian's off contract and he's on a big chunk of money. He's not going to get that again. And, and Joey Manu's off contract, so... You know, Ramian's got to start picking his performances up now. He's he's probably got twelve months before, you know, it's he his career could you know he he could easily be the next headline in in the Daily Telegraph that says the Sharks told Ramian they're not going to re you know re-sign him. I don't think Connor Watson can play centre for us, and and as much as it pains me to say, but if I'm thinking of a, a top seventeen for the Cronulla Sharks, where we want to be playing a bare minimum preliminary final and finishing in the top four, then I actually don't see that there's a spot in the team for someone like Connor Watson. I think Connor Watson is your perfect 19th man. He's there for your warm-ups. He's there if a, a back breaks down. He's there if uh, a half goes down. He's there if, you know, Blake Braley needs a spell, um, you know, for a week or so. But I don't think Connor Tracy is the the type of player that, you know you need or you need in your team every week, and what pains me as well is that we're going for blokes like Connor Watson, allegedly, and he's another one that I wouldn't have him in my top seventeen every week. You have a look; he's, you know, he's been around the NRL for a long time. Doesn't have a position, um, you know, at at the Roosters. He wanted to be a playmaker. He went to Newcastle, stuck on a, a heap of size. He's is he a lock? Is he a five eight? Is he a fullback? He's definitely not a fullback. He was terrible on the weekend. But they're not the types of players that you have in your 17 every week to, to to have a big charge into the finals. They're good squad players. They're very, very good squad players. But um yeah, I think I think, you know, Jesse Ramian is is definitely someone who needs to start lifting and putting in the performance that Connor Tracy is. But Connor Tracy is a very limited footballer, and if he's not you know, if he's not being put through a hole or or catching the ball and falling over on the wing, he doesn't. You know, his, his kick returns and his heart's there, but you know, you kind of wish you could put his heart in some of the big boys. But you know, he's he's very small, very limited into in what he can do. And another player as well who whose form has just dropped off at the moment is Will Kennedy. And Will Kennedy's been our best player all year. There's, you know, there's no question about that. He's probably you know trailed by you know Jack Williams is probably the only player who could light a candle to Kennedy at the moment. But, yeah, Will's been our best. But the last couple of weeks, we've known Matt Moylan. You haven't really seen anything from Will. Um, he's, you know, he hasn't looked like scoring a try. His support play is really bad. Um, he's very clunky out on that left edge now. And it's not his fault, but he got comfortable playing with Matt Moylan. But, you know, next year, he, he's going to get comfortable playing with Nico Hines. And I get that. That's that's incredible. But, you know, he needs to learn how to not be spoon-fed. He needs to learn how to inject himself in the game. And, and I think the, the one way that Will Kennedy can do that, his support play for the Newtown Jets was absolutely incredible. But we haven't seen a lot of that in first grade at the moment. And it's it's a surprise because, you know, Will's a fucking good footballer. He is. He's a very, very good footballer. But I just, you know, I feel that there's a lot, you know, you come off the, the, the pitch in the last three games against the Warriors, uh, even though we won, and the Broncos and 
And um, on the weekend against the Raiders, and you just think, you know, if you got 10% more from Will Kennedy, you know, it's a, it's a completely different ball game. Um, and it's not, a, it's not a lack of effort. I'm not saying that Will doesn't try, but there are times where, you know, two or three sets of six can go by and you're just like, well, what's, what's Will done? Where is he? Where's he been? You know, why wasn't he, why wasn't he, uh, following guys like Aaron Woods and Aiden Tolman who, who can get offloads away? So, and the glaringly obvious one for mine, um, is Blake Braley moving forward for the Cronulla Sharks. You know, we got rid of Jaden Braley, uh, his older brother, because, you know, Blake was meant to be the future, this attacking guru, great kicking game, great running game, great defence, and all we're seeing from him at the moment is great defence and good looks. Um, he put one kick in on the weekend, but it seems like if there's no, you know, chance for a 40-20, he doesn't really want to kick the ball. And we need something because, you know, Sean Johnson has, has put himself, you know, he signed his contract with the Warriors. He knows he's going home. His, his wife and kid have gone back to New Zealand. He doesn't have much left in Australia. He's probably counting down the weeks until he's out of here. It wouldn't surprise me if we bow out week one of the finals and come Monday, there's no Mad Monday pictures of Sean Johnson. He's, you know, he's on the on the plane, first flight home. But Blake Braley is someone who's going to need to stand up because we've signed a guy named Cam McInnes who has been released by the Dragons to only complete his rehab at the Sharks. Um, and the backstory of that is that the Dragons took all their strength and conditioning team with them because he was the only one that had a, a season-ending injury. So there's, you know, their, their reserve grade team and Jersey flag team still have their strength and conditioning coach and, and physio, and it's all part-time. And the Sharks have said to the Dragons, look, come and keep your, you know, we'll, we'll keep him rehabilitated, we'll keep him um, fit, we'll make sure everything, you know, there's no setbacks with his knee, and you guys still pay him, and if anything goes wrong with his knee, it's on you, but if he, you know, breaks his arm, it's on us. So it's good to have Cam McInnes around the gym now, he'd be hanging out with, you know, guys like Wade Graham, getting a, a, an insight into the club, Um you know, if, if anyone's seen Cam McInnes lately, he's built himself up like a lock. He's huge. He really needs to lay off the weights at the moment. But, you know, he's going to be a guy to, to put pressure on Blake Braley. And, and you know, I, I think Cam McInnes has definitely come to play lock for us, but there's no guarantee on that now. So Blake really needs to pull his head in and lift his performances. And, and Sean Johnson as well. He, you know, the last three weeks, he's had a man of the match performance against the Warriors, probably to show them what's coming home. And he's had two absolute shockers. He was terrible against the Broncos. And I didn't think Sean Johnson could play any worse, but he was fucking dreadful against the Raiders. He just looked like he didn't want to be there. He didn't get involved in any contact. He was, you know, gun shy. He didn't run the ball. He had zero runs for zero meters. And you can't have that from Sean Johnson. The teams are just becoming so aware of him now passing the ball or kicking on the fourth tackle, you know, when we're attacking, that they can just sit back off of him, you know, Four or five years ago, if you sat back off Sean Johnson, he'd step you twice and then he'd go and step your mum and he'd score under the post. But now, you know, you you, you sit back off Sean Johnson and, and instead of attacking at you, you know, he, he'll just kick the ball or he pass, he turn the ball back inside for someone to run straight at you and, and you're fresh because you haven't had to move up on him. I don't know if it's, a, you know, the Achilles injury that's... that's um, stopping him from from having a go or if it's you know the mental demons of you know his rehabilitation or if it's the fact that you know 
he's been in Australia for the last three years and it's only been him, his wife and, and the baby and, you know, now his wife and baby have gone back home and I'm not sure what it is, but we need more out of Sean Johnson if we're going to play finals football. We've seen that combination of him and Matt Moylan and it looks a he's another one. You know, we've I've just said Will Kennedy without Matt Moylan looks hopeless. Sean Johnson without Matt Moylan looks worse, so... Um, all in all, it's a disappointing performance and you can probably hear it in my voice. I'm, you know, I'm not, you know, when we have a loss, I'm usually pretty upbeat. Um, I don't know if it's, you know, no Dan, um, or no confidence after seeing that performance on the weekend, but we really just need to get that newspaper with the result and set fire to it and hope that it never happens again. Um, yeah, geez, you know, where do we go from here? We're, we're kind of lucky that we've got the Bulldogs this weekend, but, you know, the Dogs look really good at the moment. Uh, and they're a lot better than the team that beat us, which is even more alarming. Um, I think that, you know, we our run, we, we've got the Dogs and then we've got Manly, which is going to be a tough game. Uh, and then we play... Uh, the Warriors and the Broncos again, and then the West Tigers. So you know, it's not as if it's not as if we've got a, a string of really really hard games coming up. But you know, we're we're there, we're there. You know, to make the the top eight, but we're just not doing it at the moment. Um, we don't look like we want it, which is really really concerning. Um, you know, for for the dogs, they you know they're going to have their their tail up. They've just signed Tavita Pangao Junior on a three year deal that broke tonight. Um, look like they're going to get Paul Vaughan. Add to that, Matt Burton, Josh Adokar, Brent Naden's going there. Um, you know, they're still on the hunt for a number nine apparently, and you know they're going to want to get rid of that wooden spoon. I think if the Broncos had beaten the Tigers on the weekend, um, that would have you know deflated the Broncos and they would have almost conceded the race in that wooden spoon. But you know the Broncos were absolutely thumped by the Tigers, and all of a sudden you know the the Bulldogs who are playing well, you know they they're playing really well, um, and they they really stuck with Souths on the weekend, and you know here we are playing them. You know, at the beginning of the year, I would have penciled this in and said we were going to take four points away from the dogs, but you know, it wouldn't surprise me if we were zero points against the dogs, which is absolutely alarming. Um, look, ha- having a look at their team, it's not good. Um, it, you know, it's it's borderline awful. We're, we're far superior than the dogs in almost every position apart from pride and heart at the moment which hurts to say because Cronulla teams of the past, even, you know, the Shane Flanagan era when we were on losing streaks, we still had, you know, pride and passion and we wanted to go out there and fight everyone. And, you know, honestly, right now, it looks to me that if a player on the opposition walked up and punched one of our players in the face, we'd probably apologise for getting in the way. You know, we'd be like, well, how dare we be in your way? You're supposed to just go straight past us. There's just no... There's no fear factor in that team. And, you know, a guy like uh, Cece Fatalakai, who last year I thought was one of the most intimidating players in the NRL, and he signed a one-year deal to keep himself hungry. He's signed, he, you know, he's, his hunger got him a three-year deal, and now it just looks like he doesn't really care anymore. It looks like he's looking for next season. Um, I think, we, you know, we should beat the Bulldogs and we should beat them quite well. 
And, you know, you kind of we, – we need to put a score on them. We need to win this game by 20 to 30 points to, you know, put a differential, you know, give us a, a bit of a, a favour, you know, that if we do drop a game and, and teams around us win – that we're, you know, we've got far superior for and against. And it's another round of favourable, you know, draws for us. You have a look, the, the Canberra Raiders, who are on equal competition points with us, play the Parramatta Eels this weekend. And, you know, you've got to think Parramatta are going to win that game and hopefully can do us a favour and win it comfortably. The Newcastle Knights, who are, you know, on our heels as well, they're playing the Roosters. Um... We've then got, you know, the North Queensland Cowboys are playing the Storm. The Warriors are playing the Rabbitohs. The Tigers are playing the, the Sea Eagles. And the Dragons are playing the Titans. And this is a game now where, in the past, you'd kind of want the Titans to win it. But the Titans are on 14 points and only minus 14 um, below us on four and against. So we actually need the Dragons to win this game to keep the the Titans below us, as bad as that sounds, to, you know, as bad as that says. And... You know, we, we just, this game is absolutely crucial for us because results probably will 80, 90% go our way and we need to make sure we're a part of that 90% this weekend. Uh, I'm going to tip us to, to win this game and, and fingers crossed that, you know, the, the side is just getting reamed right now by Josh Hannay. But, you know, the alarming thing about Josh Hannay, I've had some some interesting conversations with some some good people connected with the club and... Is Josh Hannay the guy to yell and scream at you and and put you in your place, or is he going to be another bomber that's just going to sort of give you a stern look and then a cuddle? Um, I'm not sure, but you know you kind of got to hope that guys like Gal, even though Gal's not in the bubble, he's messaging these boys and firing them up. I don't know if Louis's there, but hopefully Louis's going in and bash someone. Um, but yeah, we, we need something. We need to lift. We need a big performance this weekend. I think we'll get it. Um, you know, I think the podcast next week with Dan and I, hopefully it's not a another dreadful, you know, performance against the dogs, but this is a game that we need to win and win well. And, you know, the dogs have shown that if you can score two early tries against them, their head kind of drops and you know, we've just got to make sure that we're the ones scoring the early tries this week and not letting them back in the game. Let's move on now um, from some of the depressing stuff to to start, you know. Well, actually, let's stay with Josh Hannay. Um, you know, this year, as I said, I, I don't know if he's the one who's going to be kicking and screaming at, at the guys. I think, you know, we're only keeping you on for one more year, so that way there's that bridge between Fitzy and him. Um, but this year, you know, some games we look like we're excellently coached. We've had great preparation and, you know, we look really up for it. And then you get... You know, games on the weekend where it's poor coaching, poor game plan, poor execution, looks like poor preparation. Um, as I said, I think I think Hannay will will serve very well for Fitzgibbon next year, but I can't see Fitzgibbon keeping him on, you know, any longer. I think Hannay will sort of bounce around from club to club now as an assistant coach and be a caretaker here and there, but it's you know. I, I, I'm I'm not sure what you can what you can say about it because we just we we honestly look like a Jekyll and Hyde football team. Um, Dan and I sat on the hill um, uh, against the against the first game against the Bulldogs, and, and we both said before a ball was kicked off. If you just had a look at their warm ups, you know the the dogs were ripping into each other and looked like they were about to fight each other, and our boys were standing on the sideline, you know, cracking jokes and laughing and doing stupid handshakes and. 
uh, I, I distinctly remember um, Chad Townsend was lining up, you know, doing his, his pregame kicks and Talakai ran through and booted the ball off the tee. And I just said, this is the kind of shit that you can't do in a, in a warm-up. You know, that's the kind of stuff that you do when training's over and Chad's staying behind to to sharpen up his kicking. Well, that's when, you know, you sort of pull his pants down and, and throw water at him and kick the ball off the tee, but you don't do it 10 minutes before you're about to go out and take your first hit up. Um, we look soft. You know, we don't look disciplined. We sit back and wait. And I, I did a little bit of research and I had a look at, you know, some articles from Fox Sports and the Daily Telegraph in 2019, 2020, and 2021. And each year we've turned around and said it's been the hardest preseason since the last preseason. 2019 was apparently the hardest preseason the boys ever went through. And we changed coaches from, from Shane Flanagan to Josh Morris. Uh, John Morris, sorry. Fuck Josh Morris. Um, 2020, you know, we had, you know, it was John Morris's first preseason. Apparently it was just tough as nails. And then 2021, the guys have, have said that it was so hard and yet we're finishing 7th or 8th. And if you have a look at 2018, Matt Moylan, when he turned up to the club and we're one week out from round one, Moylan turned around and said it was actually one of the easiest pre-seasons that he'd had. And he said that they used to get flogged at Penrith and were throwing up. And he said, you know, he the only time that he was throwing up in pre-season was over Christmas when he had his, you know, his Christmas dinner and about 100 beers. 2018 was apparently our easiest preseason on record and we finished fourth. So maybe we need to go back to just being soft in the preseason and hard in the season because, you know, being hard in the preseason is not doing fuck all for us at the moment. I want to talk now. I know we, we talk about recruitment a lot on our podcasts and, and obviously we need a lot of players to turn this around, but there are still some players out there. You know, I banged on and said that, you know, we should be front and center of the Paul Vaughan sweepstakes and, and, you know, I stand by that. You know, Paul Vaughan, yes, he's had a couple of COVID breaches and, and yes, he, you know, he may not be, you know, the best person off the field, but on the field, he's one of the best props you can get. And I know that we need to go in and, you know, eradicate this culture that's crept in at the club at the moment. But a guy who's played representative football and has close connections with the coach who's coming in, you know, it's it's apparently it's going to cost the Bulldogs two hundred grand, and he'll miss six games this year and two games next year. I'd pay that two hundred thousand dollars tomorrow. I'd, I'd probably offer him two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and and tell him that he's got to come up and train with Wade and and McInnes and and you know get that culture embedded into him. Hang out with Cam McInnes every week, every day, every minute at training. It's just you and Cam McInnes. You'll quickly change into a better person. And I know he's been with Cam McInnes. But, you know, the Dragons culture has been a shit show. Paul McGregor had, you know, no control over that. But, you know, you put him in different environments and, and you know, players can change. Josh, Josh Dugan hasn't had one off-field incident where he's been an absolute wanker. Yes, he went and had a meal, but that's about the worst thing he did. People still say that the worst thing he did was call Buzz Rothfield a dickhead on a podcast. Whatever. Who gives a fuck about that? But there's still some really good players out there. Um, you know, some conversations I've had where we're definitely front and center of the Dale Finucane sweep sweepstakes and, and him going into the origin camp was one of the best things that happened to us because he's really close with Craig Fitzgibbon. Um NRL three hundred sixty tonight, Cooper Cronk. You know, Pete they were talking about him, uh, Finucane going to the Gold Coast Titans or the North Queensland Cowboys and 
you know, Cronk turned around and said his relationship with Craig Fitzgibbon will probably see him end up at the Sharks. I've heard that we're playing it nice and quiet. Um, a lot of times in the past, we've played our recruitment out in the news and you only have to look at Adam Reynolds on how bad we got burnt. I don't think Fitzgibbon wants that again. And then you have to look at Cam McInnes and, and Nico Hines. There was literally no link that morning and that night we had Cam McInnes and, and uh, on the 1st of June, um, it was Nico Hines Day. Oh, sorry, 23rd of June, Nico Hines Day. Or was it the 1st of June? Either one of them. It was either my wife or my daughter's birthday because I was out having having a meal. No, it was definitely my wife's birthday. First of June, we signed Nico Hines. So I think you know we're going to play our recruitment like that. I think there's there's other teams that are going through and making all these signings now. You have to have a look at the you know the Gold Coast Titans are apparently going to make some signings. Um, you know even the Bulldogs now the Bulldogs are running dead last, but they've still got some players that would be a handy pickup, and one of them is Renault for Tony. He's off contract. He's a lot more aggressive than our props are at the moment. Uh, Marty Tapao, you know, Manly have said at the right price, Marty Tapao can move on. We're always linked with Marty Tapao. And I think that we're going to end up with a Roosters player or two, but, you know, the the agreement between Craig Fitzgibbon, the Sharks and the Roosters is that the Roosters players have to approach Fitz. The ones that are on contract have to approach Fitz. And the ones that are off contract, you know, Fitz just is going to do the right thing by the Roosters. Um, I think, you know, having some conversations with people that sort of eased my mind, I don't think 2022 is going to be the year that we're going to be a powerhouse. I think, we, you know, we'll still be a finals contender again and hopefully we jump up to that sixth spot. But you have to have a look. And, and in 2022, where you know, it's the last year of Wade Graham's contract and he's on three quarters of a million dollars. It's the last year of Andrew Fafita's contract, and he's on $850,000. It's the last year of Braden Hamlin-Newelli, who was re-signed on a pretty handy deal. Jack Williams is off contract as well. Britton Nakora is off contract. Um, so we're going to be you know, in a good position to, to go after some good players, and I think 2023 is going to be the year that you know, we, we really hit our strides. I think 2022 is going to be Craig Fitzgibbon's first year of head coaching, and Nico Hines' first year at six. So it's going to be really feeling each other out. I think, you know, we need to go and get a, a you know, half of our forward pack that we want going forward this year. And I think that needs to be built around Dale Finucane. Um And if you can throw in a Marty Tapower or a Jared Warrior Hargraves, that would be awesome as well. If you can get someone like Renner for Tony to, you know, bit play here or there, we get lots of injuries in the forward. So... You know that you know that would be a handy addition as well. But you know, twenty twenty three, when you've got guys like Daly Cherry Evans, you've got guys like Joey Manu off contract, Luke Keery's off contract as well, and and the Roosters have got some really good young players in Sam Walker and Ronald Volkman. So I think we'll you know we'll definitely be big players in the in the recruitment market. You know, at least for the next eighteen months. But I don't think it's going to be leaked to the journos. Um. Until it's until it's done, you saw that Buzz Rothfield got the scoop and he announced it, and then fifteen minutes later the Sharks did. You know, Buzz is putting out these little feelers here or there about Dale Finucane being spotted with Nico Hines, and he did the same thing about Fitzgibbon speaking with Finucane during the Origin camp, and he also said that we're very close to a big name international player. So there's there's things happening in the background. Um, as far as I know, there's two or three contracted players we want, and two contract two off contracted players. I think when you see leak, links like uh, Luke Brooks 
um, by the mole and by James Hooper. I think that's just clickbait there. There's a lot of agenda against the Tigers at the moment, and I'm all here for it. But I think uh, the biggest thing for Craig Fitzgibbon now is he needs to come in and assert his his dominance and, and bring his team with him. And from what I've heard is that every single person on our strength and conditioning and coaching staff will be interviewed by Craig Fitzgibbon, and then he'll decide whether they stay or not. And he's going to have his list of people that he wants. Obviously, he wanted Cameron Serraldo, um, and that hasn't happened. And I've heard that that Stephen Kearney is a, is a guy that Craig Fitzgibbon would be interested in working with as well. He was interested in the Leeds Rhinos coach who decided to stay with Leeds for one more year, and, and I think that's a good opportunity for the Rhinos coach. They've just signed some really good players, one of them, Aiden Caesar. Um, but I think next year, uh, to quote Special K, um, next year is going to be about Fitzgibbon getting the extra 5% out of players like Royce Hunt, CeCe Fatalakai, and making good players like Toby Rudolph better. Uh, and if he can fix Toby Rudolph's uh, ruck defense, we're automatically a better team. But I'll, I'll be interested now. I think in the next three or four weeks, we're going to sign a couple of players and they'll be pretty good players. And we'll be going into 2022 a lot more relaxed. But I think 2023 is going to be the year when we get a halves partner for Nico Hines. Probably end up with someone like Joey Manu, a couple more big name forwards. And uh, all of a sudden, it's smooth sailing again. I did say that it kind of feels like we're going back to 2010, 2011, but it kind of feels like we're in 2011, going into 2012. You know, instead of signing Todd Carney, we've signed Nico Hines, who's the form player of the competition at the moment. I think he's a smoky for the Dali M medal. Um, but yeah, look, there's there's definitely a lot of positives coming up for Cronulla, but they're just not happening on the football field. And I think if we can get a good win against the Bulldogs, you know, go and beat the Bulldogs by 20 points. And then these conversations with the players that you want are more energetic and the fans are feeling a lot better about themselves and you won't get a depressing podcast like this anymore. I will say how I'm at Moylan because we are missing him, but not half as much as I'm missing Dan and missing being at the footy with you guys. Thanks for listening to us. If you can, check out Rugby League Outlaws, subscribe on Puncture Media, Trash Dan and I, we love it every week. And as always, come on guys, let's hail Matt Moylan.